librarian. And I'm Coach Hill, your main building librarian. In today's episode, we're finally back. Let's get back to it. So we need to apologize. We had some technical difficulties coming back from break, but I think we've got them figured out. Um, and then we had some sickness too. So everyone's healthy, everything's working, and we're ready to talk about some books, right? We're back. We're back. I actually had to refresh myself on my book because I finished it. It's been a while a since we've recorded. Ago. Yeah, it's yes. been a while. So um, the book I read was The Last Words We Said by Leah Shire. Um And really, this book is about four teenagers, and they live in this Orthodox Jewish community. Um, And so that plays a really significant part in their lifestyles and the storyline. And so it's three girls and a boy named Danny. And Danny actually dies, I think it was on New Year's Eve, and it's been so long I can't remember. I should have looked. well, he goes missing and stays missing for about a year. Um, and these three girls, these three friends of his, all struggle and grieve that that death of him, the missing part of him, differently. So it's Ellie, Deanie, and Ray. Um, they joke that Ray is like rage baking um, because that's kind of a hobby of hers, but it was tied really heavily to him. And so... That's what you see her doing a lot in the story. Rage baking. Yeah. Like baking baked of, goods. Out of rage. Out of rage. I don't know how they taste, but anyway. Have they, you ever rage baked? <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, I liked her. So that, you know, anyway, so that's Ray. And then Deanie, um kind of goes down this really strict, deep path into their Jewish beliefs and um, customs. And so she just slowly becomes more and more, I think, legalistic and in what she's doing, the way she's living, dressing, speaking, just, just everything about her is kind of changing and becoming more, more and more, like I said, legalistic in their beliefs. And so, um, and then there's Ellie who was Danny's girlfriend and, um, she actually is still seeing Danny as a ghost and she believes that Danny's presence is um to lead her back to him to find him wherever wherever he is and so he is a present character in this book um as a ghost to Ellie and so people can tell when he's in the room by the look on her face um, does he talk he, he does he does. And so um, really it's the story of them grieving him and trying to find him and the way that that strains their relationships because Ellie is the only one that sees him and they were a tight-knit group. And so um, it was a very interesting story, the relationships. Um, I like the way the author used those to – to build the conflict and um, I don't know, really just wrap a story around friendship and what happens as things break in that. Anyway, um, I'm getting away from myself, but come to find out toward the end of the book, they all, each girl had a part to play in 
Danny going missing, which they do not know at the beginning of the story. Hmm. And so it was interesting. It was well written. Um, and yeah, so that's the last words we said by Leah Shire. And I would recommend it. It was good. Cool. Yeah. What did you read? I read The Electric Kingdom by David Arnold. Um, that's one of our is, VSBA yeah, books, it's right? Yeah, on the VSBA list. It's YA dystopian. Mm-hmm. So the story takes place in New England. Um, the dystopian aspect of it is that uh, the world has been taken over by these like mutant flies, just these swarms of flies that will just kind of come out of nowhere and Ugh. just devour any living thing. Um, and so you're kind of like not hiding from them. Yeah, but, but uh, you know when if you hear if you hear the swarm coming, you got to take cover and certain things. Also, there's this what they call the fly flu. So some people are also just dying um, from these kind of like flu-like symptoms. Um, both of which are, for the most part, kind of they don't know where they came from. They don't mm-hmm. know the origins of them. Right. So that's kind of the dystopian um, aspect or setting of the novel. So you know, there's no electricity or running water. Like it's. Mm-hmm. But but the the adults in the in the novel were alive in the time before the fly, so they remember the the world as we know it. Okay. So it's just kind of the, the kids that don't really have never lived that world, but maybe they've read about it or been told about it. So the story's told uh, from the perspective of three characters. You have Kit, uh, who is a kid. He lives with his mom and two older teenagers that are not related to him um, in a town called Town. They live in a in an abandoned um, movie theater, mm-hmm. um, and so you get one perspective from him. You get another perspective from this person, kind of this unknown person called the Deliverer, um, who delivers food and whatnot to people. Um, you know, not not in disguise necessarily, but in more of a protective suit. Mm-hmm. And kind of the, that's their role. No one knows who this person is, but they know that the Deliverer comes and 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 brings food and stuff. Hmm. Um, And then you're also told uh, the story from the perspective. And I would say the main, uh, maybe this is the main character. Like you get more of this story than the other ones uh, from a girl named Nico. Um, She lives with her dad in um, just kind of this cabin in the woods. Her mom uh, passed uh, from fly flu is what kind of you get from reading. Um, and her dad seems to have kind of this early stages of fly flu. Like it seems a little like they have like hallucinations and maybe like combined with some Alzheimer's, just kind of these different symptoms. Uh-huh. And so her dad, ever since she was a kid, has been telling her this story um, of the waters of Kairos. And her dad was, I believe, like a geologist to work with other geologists. And they found this like geological anomaly. Huh. Um but he tells it to her through this story, like a tale um, of the Voyager and this thing called the Cormorant or something like that, where someone rings a bell and then um, this like Cormorant is like this, uh, it enhan- it catches the sound and enhances it along the water. And then, um, and, and this is a story. And then the, the, that sound kind of creates almost this like, water portal so to speak and in the story i can't remember the exact line but the the character in the story says something like um how do i stop this darkness or what do i do with this darkness or something and the and the 
person there's a there's a person in the tale that's kind of like by this portal that's says something to the effect of jump in and find out so her dad um at the cabin in the woods rings this bell he's he's the bell ringer um and so as he's starting to fade he sends nico out to essentially be the character in the tale that he's been telling her his whole life oh uh, and to kind of play and fulfill that role. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot more to it. He, mm-hmm. he tells her, he tells her, I saw you the day you were born. So the book opens with this scene of a baby being born in a traffic jam in a snowstorm. And also while that's happening and that ends up being Nico. Mm-hmm. And then also this, at the same time, this character like crossing the street and running up on this billboard and like, painting something on it with a spray with spray paint and then taken off into the woods. And Nico's dad, as she was being born in the back of the car, made eye contact with this person or thing. Uh, and it, it's, it, it has the, it's Nico's eyes. I'll just say it that way. Oh, wow. Um, and so that I'll, I'll kind of leave it there because that kind of is the rest of it and kind of what's going on in this, in this post-apocalyptic world with, with the flies. Interesting. Um, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Um, it was good. I liked it. Good. It was different. I don't yeah. think I've ever read anything quite like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as, as is true with most stories where it's told from multiple perspectives, ultimately their paths converge. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, kind of along the the storyline of that tale that yeah. that Nico's dad has been telling her her whole life. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like a good book. Yeah, it was fun. Good. It was fun. I don't think I've ever read anything like it. Yeah. Uh, so it was fun. But uh, we'll take a short break, and then we'll quickly talk about what we're going to read next. Uh, next up for me is the... Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, I feel like the, I have to amp it up. Well, it's the final installment of the Inheritance Games trilogy. Finally! Uh, the Inheritance Games was on the VSBA list last year, and mm-hmm. I read it. I really liked it. And then uh, the Hawthorne Legacy, I think, was the next one. I mm-hmm. read it. And then it's been a minute. This one's been out since like August or something. I just haven't had it. But I have it now. Uh, and so I'm reading it. Uh, it's called The Final Gambit. Um, and not to spoil any of the prior two stories, but the general... The general idea behind this this trilogy is that there's kind of this just random teenager named Avery. Um, she's picked to inherit billions and billions and billions of dollars from this this wealthy guy that's just passed, mm-hmm. uh, even though he has uh, many relatives that are still alive, including four grandsons who are kind of main characters in the book. He's got daughters, and he's got family alive, but she's kind of seemingly been picked at random, it seems. Uh, if I remember to, correctly, this had a lot of... Puzzles yeah, it's very it? like riddly and yeah. puzzly. And yeah. Is yes. this holding true to that? So it far? is. Uh, I'm probably, yeah, I've started it. Uh, and it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how it ends up because this is, this is the end the now. End. This is the last one. The final gambit. <gasps> uh, it says riddles upon riddles, secrets upon secrets, winner takes all. Fun. What are you reading? <laughs> 
Mine is not <laughs> near as exciting. Um, but hopefully it's good. It's called Together at Midnight by Jennifer Castle. I actually picked this out to read over a break, and I did not take it home because I had other things at home I was reading. But um, it's centered, it sounds so cliche, but it's okay, um, uh, around New Year's in New York. And these two, I believe they're strangers that are maybe connected some other way. I could be wrong. Um are going to complete seven random acts of kindness. And they're kind of like, I don't know if they're doing this together, if it's a a challenge for them. Are they romantically involved? I think that's where it's going to go. Are they going to kiss when the ball drops? (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I think they're, I think the girl is about high school age and, and the boy in the story, um, I believe is doing a gap year between high school and college. So it's YA. So it's YA. Um, more than likely, they're going to kiss when the ball drops, but we'll just have to wait and see and find out. I mean, can you <laughs> can you have a book called Together at Midnight and not have a kiss when the ball drops um, if you're in New York let's see. on New Year's? We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. We right. will find out. <laughs> right now, it's time for us to check out. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at BDP underscore library and share us with a friend. And even though it's Thursday, don't forget to check back with us every other Wednesday for the next episode of Overdue. Make time to read. Thanks for listening. Edited, sponsored, and produced by BDP Library at White House High School in White House, Tennessee. Check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at BDP underscore library.